Welcome to the Veloce Podcast, fast and fluid conversation with Kat Empey and Richard Bott. Episode 22, I believe. Yeah. Can't believe we've done 22 podcasts. No. It's flown by, hasn't it? What's <laughs> 22 you weeks. Yeah, that's the yeah. That's Doesn't pretty insane, much. isn't it? Actually, yeah, when you think about it. Year. I know. God, the year's going so quick. It's mm. unreal. Um, hope everybody's well and enjoying the incredibly hot weather. It's been, um, well, pretty much around the whole country, isn't it? Oh, 30, 31 degrees, which that's I love. The, I love the heat, but it's the humidity which just gets me. On one of the days it was like 96 humidity. Oh gosh, that's hard work, I tell you. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so episode 22. So what have we been up to this week then, Rich? Well, this week, so we've been down to um, Port Experience Centre, done some work down there for Porsche, Porsche yeah. Cars Great Britain. So for anybody that Another doesn't know, just in case you haven't listened to the previous one, so uh, it all sounds very fancy, but it's not. <laughs> but we're Porsche driving consultants. Um, so in other words, we're... That's a very fancy name for we're instructors and coaches for Porsche GB. Um, yes, yeah, so we we did three days at the Experience Centre there. Uh, so anybody that buys a new Porsche can come along, can't they? Um, and have half a day with us, or you can pay for a course, that kind of thing as well. So um, yeah, so we did a, a mix of that. It's always nice to be down at Silverstone, and actually it was extra special because the F1 had just happened. And they were doing an official test. Um, I don't know for how many days. Do you? Well, it was three or four days, but they were tyre testing, weren't they? For, yeah. Because they they're going to bigger wheels next year, going to eighteen-inch wheels. Yeah. So, so there was um, there was only three teams running, wasn't there? But they were they ran, they ran a car a day. So yeah. So Perez was the first I saw. Yeah. Um, going um, round, yeah. and then we had Mick Schumacher. Yeah. And it was quite interesting actually, because then suddenly this ninety-one um, Jordan appeared which obviously sounds very different to the new cars <laughs> yeah it does yeah. um and mick said he got he was very uh privileged he was wearing his dad's exact helmet and he was driving around doing that and i think uh karoon chandok has also done a bit in that car as well so you might so see there'll be a something feature on. somewhere i guess yeah i'm guessing sky f1 there'll be yeah, a feature at so. some point but um it was lovely to hear the old cars again i mean i think they've made a great improvement with the sound of the new cars because let's face it when it first started it was such a shock going from these really noisy engines to something almost you know really quite flat but they've they've done a good job of making it sound a lot better i thought yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to go around but it still stood out when the when the jordan came oh around, it did you know, it, it did but it was nice watching them and then sebastian vettel was out wasn't he for he seemed to do the most laps to be honest stroll he appeared lot, at, yeah. at one point marzipin album um, was out in the Al, yeah because i think max was meant to do it but after his accident he obviously um i guess as a precaution isn't in the car um straight afterwards so in recovery let's say um because they always worry because his um incident was 51 g's and we'll go into this a bit later but um obviously they worry about internal organs you know damage there has been issues with people in the past and they jump out of the car they're fine they can even be fine for a few days and then something horrific happens so so yeah Albon was uh out in the car I always wonder what it must feel like you know you've been not sacked from the team but demoted down to demoted that's the way to put it yeah, yeah. um down he's doing what DTM and it must be very weird being back in the car and 
Yeah, I mean, still, hey, gosh, there's a lot of worse things to do, right? Oh, but it absolutely. must be, yeah. must be a little bit odd, I guess, for for Albon. But hey, it was it was just lovely, and I was watching. I'm a big Sebastian Vettel fan, anyway. But I was watching him coming through Magnus Beckett's and then down Hangar Straight into Stowe, and you know, when you what was lovely is obviously over the actual Grand Prix is so busy. So it's hard to get really up close, but you know when when it's quiet and we were in there and there's hardly anybody around, you really hear when he's on full throttle and when he's like rolling in and then going down the gears. And I couldn't believe into Stowe they they actually turn and then start to slow the car and go down the gears. Oh, insane. And very much Stowe's the end. So the straight, the back straight. <laughs> so after Maggots Beck, it's all that long section and you think well these cars are unbelievable with the grip uh, they have and yeah the you see them go through the corners it's just nuts yeah so it was um you know obviously it was we were doing our job of course but in between um got a bit distracted and went and watched a, a little bit of that as well i put a few um videos just of me you know on my phone um on the social media stuff as well so if anybody wants to watch a bit of that they can but it's not it's not exactly very professional but you, <laughs> you may get to see a little bit of said um shooting pass let's say so yeah so we've been doing that and then away from that what have we been doing uh well we've done some driver confidence sessions again we've been doing some of those haven't we yeah. so a little bit of that going on yeah so we're doing um more and more of this uh it's really highlighted with covid and even just things with like people finishing uni that kind of thing there's there, there's certainly well let's start with the uni thing people pass a test then they go off to uni and because it's so expensive to park your car at uni and stuff people don't so they leave their car at home then they don't really drive for all their time that they're at uni really then come back and finish um and then really lack in confidence because basically as soon as you've learned you really need to keep that going don't you mm. um especially when you don't have much experience so um i took out a, a lovely girl um who's pretty much just gone through all of that um but it was almost like sitting with a learner to be honest and you think wow that you know it's certainly something we've decided we're going to try and help people more with mm. okay that's totally different to all our racing stuff that we do but actually diversity is great and at the end of the day, coaching's coaching and getting that reward. Um, yeah, and then I've done a rehabilitation with a lady um, who's different reason through an incident, let's say, lost um, yeah, a, a huge amount of confidence and we're gradually building on that. So it's a lot more about the psychology and what's going on underneath. But that's something we're incorporating, isn't it, in our coaching, mm. whether it's rehabilitation or whether it's somebody who's trying to be a professional racing driver psychology really runs underneath the whole thing so um yeah so it's been an interesting week hasn't yeah, it yeah a bit of a varied week don't yeah. you think yeah what do you think so road cars then so yeah so we, we've been talking a lot haven't we about you've got a golf R at the moment and yeah. we, you, we don't it's know what seven, to seven point five haven't I yeah we don't yeah. know what to change it for because yeah. the difficult pro thing is first of all is getting a manual car mm -hmm. um and second of all is getting a three-door car because mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. getting a manual three-door sort of hot hatch kind of car so I don't think you can anymore yeah it's and hey I'll totally get the practicality of a five-door um so I understand more people probably do get five doors but um, I guess tradition and being a bit, I hate using the word purist, but being a little bit more that way, let's say, um, personally, I think you're in the same boat with me here, aren't you? That 
just the goal for me is always look great as a three door and we can make it work as a three door can't we um so it was sad to see with the mark eight that's not an option and the other thing is they've taken away the option for a manual haven't they um, yeah well i guess if you're Volkswagen, you look at how many manuals and how many three doors you yeah. sell and it's probably five percent or whatever it is and yeah. if there was no point making it then yeah if, if, if it was 30 percent, i don't know what the figures are I'm making them no. up but you know i guess that's the decision that volkswagen have made which i totally get but i i, I kind of get it for the the main cars but the ones that are more driver focused with performance i still think there should be the option just because so i've got a manual and hey i love auto gearboxes you know my favorite being the pvk probably but um you know these dual clutch systems are so clever and so quick and that genuinely no you don't need a manual but the reason i like a manual well two reasons firstly i don't want to go rusty and forget how to use a manual doing my job but also on the road you can't go you know that quick so i love just being able to time doing heel and toe you know little things like that and having just extra involvement a lot of people say oh you've got more control in a manual i disagree i don't think that's true but it's just the involvement side um so yeah so it's a little bit of a shame that that's been taken away so obviously i've been car hunting haven't i we've been looking yes. um and that that's kind of what we've come at so if you want a manual one it's kind of civic type r yeah which gets you know Five anybody stars. drives drives it raves about the way it drives yeah uh, it's just the way it looks i suppose really yeah. is the, is the and stumbling hey, block don't get me wrong it's it's sporty as hell to look at and i'm one of these funny people whereas if it's like a, a i don't know let's just say a porsche you know gt3 rs or it's a ferrari or it's a lambo the more wings and things the better the brighter the better but for me but when it comes to cars that are in a different or how would you put it different sector, well, daily drivers i suppose um i just find the type r visual wise looks kind of like it's trying too hard so they do do one that doesn't have a big wing on it as well yeah now. i just um, and i think that's a good idea because to me on the road from a daily drive i wouldn't mind something that just is a little bit more discreet not too in your face but but hey it's probably if i was going to get a car right now that's the one I've leaned closest to because apparently the gearbox in it is meant to be absolutely immense, isn't it? It's like good anything it's, Porsche mate, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a, a driver's car. So that is really the only thing that, well, it's not the only thing we found that's a driver's car, but you know, with the manual and everything else. So so we started then looking at, okay, this market, what else is there? So, so, so obviously there's Golf R, but, but yeah. announced this week has been the, is the new Audi RS3. Yeah. So where so Audi do an S3, which is essentially a Golf R, yeah. but the RS3 has their five cylinder 2.5 litre engine in it, which yeah. sounds like an Audi Quattro from oh, the 80s. Really. Um, it sounds absolutely awesome. It does make a good noise. To be fair, just bite for that. Yeah. <laughs> but again, but the, you've got the same problems in you. You can't get a manual one. You can only get a DSG one. Yeah. They're all five door. It actually looks. It, I think it arguably looks a bit. More, looks more aggressive than the Golf R. Yeah, oh, I agree. And and you can get a saloon version. And actually, in the past, I've never really liked the saloon version. But the new one, they've really made it look aggressive and the saloon looks pretty cool. Does, so I actually. think having a five door, I'd probably lean towards a saloon. Yes. Because it just sort of finishes off the back end for me because it's aggressive and 
um yeah it to be honest it it uh looks fabulous they've decided to keep a few more buttons haven't yeah, they compared a lot more, to the it's golf not it's bar. not all touch screen like the golf yeah so they're even though there is that element to it they've done a little bit more like some manufacturers where it's like i don't know 70 percent touch screen the rest is you know your buttons or haptic buttons whereas golf are they they've leaped into predominantly things either being on the wheel or it is all touchscreen which looks awesome but on a practicality note when you're driving and we know this from we better not mention too many uh, manufacturer names but you know we know some amazing beautiful cars out there but you want to like move the air vent and you have to go into five different screens to get it to move the air vent and when you're driving you can imagine that's like ah <laughs> and i'm not a big i mean this i was in a, a mercedes an amg a class a43 is that what we call it yeah. um and i don't like the screens i think it just looks like well mercedes thought this would be cheaper yeah. stick screens in it and that's yeah. what that's how it comes across to me yeah i just don't think it works particularly well yeah i mean i'm i'm i like both i i, I like the idea of you know like when i first saw um a lot of manufacturers move away from proper analog clocks and things all to digital display that i love that you can change all the digital display but there's something kind of classy i suppose if you think of like watches for example like if you think of a you know a, a smart watch or something like that and then you think of a a piece of art like a tag whatever sorry i don't know my watch is no, very well, well yeah, but a mechanical no, a rolex i suppose is probably a mechanical, mechanical swiss exactly. time piece, yeah and for me i guess like um for me with cars i view it a little bit like that whereas i, I like the technology and things need to evolve but i just hope we don't evolve so much that they become mobile computers and there's none of this i do like some traditional clocks and some traditional buttons mm. not everywhere not so it looks dated but just there's some class to it whereas when everything's digital one thing that worries me is technology evolves so quickly on that front far quicker than the mechanical elements um that you could then have a car that then suddenly looks dated within a year yeah. as we know with like a pc you know with sim racing you get one you think right this is all new this is this is the latest thing and then like two months later oh no there's a new graphics card there's a new this there's a new that so yeah i guess it's getting the balance but hey i'm not slating these digital displays because obviously things need to evolve but for me if i could make my own car it would definitely be a mix of both for me don't wouldn't you oh, say without a doubt yeah yeah um but yeah so back to the rs3 then so um yeah sounds fab obviously it's a little bit more expensive than the golf r because it's the, it's the rs 10 grand isn't it basically yeah so it's about 50 starts i say 50k i'm sure you can add bits to make um, it more well, undoubtedly yeah whereas the the golf r is just shy of 40k so you know so there are differences there but this you know this car is unbelievably quick isn't it the only, what did you say it was the top speed 180 180 miles an hour it'll do apparently which is um not that you i guess unless you take it on a track i guess you're never going to see that but yeah pretty impressive bit of kit so, so we'll um, see what that's like then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we have tried haven't we also yeah well, the... this is another kind of you know a bit of a cult car it's become really which is this the new yaris gr yeah and so, it's been around a bit now hasn't it it's probably been around 12 months i suppose yeah um, we we were very lucky to be invited down to to uh, do a review of it and a drive of it um we got a bit pushed for time because ferrari also invited us to something we're trying to squeeze perhaps a bit too much in one day so 
Uh, we've been kindly invited back to spend a whole day with Yaris um, GR, haven't we? Mm. So we've done a very short drive taster, let's say, review of, of the car to give us an initial first insight. And then we're going to go back and do a proper review. So there will be on YouTube a small mini review, but wait for the bigger one, let's say, and then you'll see. But what did you think to it? Well, I think it was cool. I'm not a massive fan of the way it looks, but I'll come, you know, I'll come back to that in a second. What's unique about this car is, is if you go back to sort of the, well, all through, through time, really, if you wanted to race or rally a car, you had to build a certain number of them. It was called homologation. And that was normally low numbers. So things like Group B rallying, if everybody remembers that, oh. um, you had to build 200 cars. So, you know, that's a very, very rare car. Yeah. Um, I remember back in the sort of super touring area and touring cars, they had to build something like a thousand of a certain model before they could race it. Mm -hmm. But well, that's all changed now. So in rallying, you now have to build 25,000 units of a car before you can rally it. Mm. So what people like Volkswagen do is they take a normal Polo because they build millions of them yeah. and convert it to a rally car. Toyota decided to come out of a different angle and build a rally car and then try and sell 25,000 of them. Yeah. And that's essentially what this is. So it's yeah. a complete fresh piece of paper. Yeah. What do we need it to do? So it, it, it's small, it's light, it's four-wheel drive, it's, yeah. you know, it's manual. Yeah. So the, yeah. And, they, and they've, they've sold like hotcakes because it's become a real cool car. And we said when we were down at Ferrari, we were at a Ferrari launch, and every other car that came in was a Yaris GR. Yeah, which is <laughs> kind of funny at Ferrari, but it just shows... Obviously, you get a lot of people that go to a Ferrari, they love their cars and they love driving. Um, and of course, with the Ferraris, it's also a piece of art, isn't it? But but they love driving. And the thing is, you know, what is this? 30, was it a 30 crown About car, 30 grand, isn't it? Yeah. This Yaris Toyota, which I guess, okay, it's a Toyota and it's a Yaris, but but it's a, it's a proper performance car, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is, basically yeah. a dialed down, well, rally car. Yeah, essentially, yeah. <laughs> but didn't one of the drivers want it more sloping on the back yeah, so, to, so Tommy Mackinnon, who's the head of Toyota team, rally yeah. team, uh, wanted it more sloped at the back, yeah. but Toyota said, no, we have got to get people in it. So, <laughs> so it's not quite as sloped at the back as it, as it could have been. But, yeah, uh, so yeah. I think it probably could have looked a bit cooler, but they had to think of the practical elements. Um, but no, I, I kind of overall, you know perspective certainly for me i don't know about you rich is that it, it's great fun to drive great gearbox makes you smile it's quick sounds it's, good yeah it's a little bit you different know, isn't it um, i suppose what we were saying before about the rs3 of trying to find cars that have that are not 200 grand that are yeah. driver's cars is quite difficult absolutely so for me it, it ticks everything apart from and i'm with you on this its appearance doesn't blow me away no now I know it's a Toyota Yaris, but I just bit, think it looks a bit awkward. I think. Yeah, I think it could have looked a bit more chunky, a little bit more beefy. Yeah. Um, like the the actual well rally car will look. Um, I think if they could have made it just look a bit more beefy, that would have just, for me, finished it off. But it certainly wouldn't rule one out. I think for thirty grand. If you like driving, that is a car to have. Yes. And it proved it, didn't it, when we were down at Ferrari. So, yeah, so that will all be on YouTube. But at the moment, it's going to be like a, a little mini taster review. And then we're going to go back and spend a day with it. So we'll do a lot more like in-car, you know, filming and go through it properly. And, you know, what's got what little details it's got and things and have a bit of fun with it, won't we? So yeah. looking forward to that. So the next bit is driving, isn't it? Yeah, so I thought this week we'd talk a little bit about running commentaries, which yeah. sound a little, you know, when we're doing road stuff, it's a really good way of getting people to focus mm -hmm. um, because it just, you start to get rid of some of the, 
thought processes that are interfering with what you're doing. So if you start to commentate on things, it helps you to concentrate and it helps you focus on what you're doing. So mm -hmm. let me just talk a little bit about that, really. Yeah. So running commentary, like I say, helps with concentration. When you're driving on the road, you, this, when you start to do a running commentary, it immediately starts to shows you how complex the road environment oh, is. Uh, if you are somebody like I've done it in, uh, with coaching a lot, okay, just talk me through what you're doing as a, a commentary. And people initially find it really hard because there's actually quite task. a lot going on. And then I'll do an example and they'll be like, wow, you know, there's so much you're taking in and thinking about and really far ahead and all that kind of stuff. And I guess it's such a a good tool to help people recognize where they're currently at what might be missing but like you said as well and i think you're probably going to lead on to this aren't you actually about the the fact that it can distract you so your subconscious can do yeah because driving work. is like you say if you try and talk it's like trying to tie your shoelaces you know you can't it's very difficult to explain how you tie your shoelaces yeah. well driving's the same you know a, a guy wrote a book once called mind driving m-i-n-d to try and break down the thought processes that an experienced driver goes. And of course, it fills a book. Yeah. And it's completely useless, really, because you can't... There's no way you could read it and think, oh, well, I'll do that then, because yeah. it just doesn't really work like that. Yeah. But what tends to happen as a human being is that your your self-talk, if you like, um, your conscious thoughts can quite often interfere with what you're doing. So like we were talking about the confidence driving and people who are apprehensive about driving. Yeah. It's because of what they're saying to themselves. It's not because they can't drive a car. Absolutely. And and this also ties into racing. So if you get a racing driver who's plateaued and their teammate, just an example, is that little bit quicker, quite often you can go through data and, and you, as a coach can look at what they're technically doing. And the technical elements might be really, really good. But that's where we call it self one, don't we? But, but your conscious is coming in and it might be, you know, I, I can't break that late. What happens if I hit the wall or what happens exactly. here? You know, all these little, we would perhaps call them demons, but coming out and, and basically affecting your subconscious because actually you can do it. And I, I've used on several occasions the whole Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton thing. Valtteri, there's not many people on this planet that can get as close to Lewis as Valtteri has over one lap in pace but the reason he struggles under pressure is because of his self one beating him up all the time so that's why often he's quickest on friday then it gets to right when it matters qualifying and clearly these inner demons come out and this doubt and it, it basically he needs a distraction tool something to get him away from thinking about that so the subconscious can flow and do the job because he has the ability to do it but it's getting in the way and that's the same road track doesn't matter with driving really, but um, it can really affect you, can't it? It can. So, so at running, any stage. So running commentary can help you to do that. So yeah. getting started with it, what I try and get people to do, first of all, is just point out really obvious things. So not everything that's going on, but like shout out all the signposts that you see or shout out where the junction, junction left, junction right, uh, things like that. Just, just little bits of detail that give your conscious mind something to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, and then start to add a little detail in from there. So, so where the corner's bending, what the traffic ahead's doing. So not, not loads and loads of information, but sort of key things. Because what you'll find is if you do that, first of all, you'll start to look for things and you'll start to concentrate and think and plan. Um, but also it does this, this thing that's cat saying, where it just helps your subconscious to do more of the work because you're kind of almost distracting your, your conscious mind. It works really well. Absolutely. So Obviously, we're talking here a bit more experienced drivers. Of course, initially teaching anybody anything 
there has to be the technical element first. You've got to know what you're trying to do. And that needs to become subconscious. And then once you're at that point, that's where this really starts to make a massive, massive difference, yeah. isn't it? And you can do the same on track. It doesn't have to be on the road. You know, so if no, you're driving on track, as Kat was saying, you know, you think, I can't break this late. So don't think about that then. You've got to try and sort of think about, get a good reference point. So you're yeah. going to break at the reference point. Now, right, now you're breaking, right? Now look at the apex and you just say to yourself, right, I'm looking at the apex now. Now I'm looking for my exit. And just sort of self-talking yourself around it. Rather than thinking, can I break this light? What happens if I do? Blah, blah, yes. And all the negative bits coming in. Um, so, yeah, there's loads you can do with it. But this is where we've, as coaches, you know, I mean, gosh, we've raced for many years and we've been coaching, I dread for how long? But we've really incorporated the psychological elements of, of driving because in performance, like with our NLP, um, you know, it's such a big element to to how well somebody can achieve success, I suppose. Um, however that looks to them, but that's where this bit, you always have to condition yourself as early as possible. So yeah. some people are naturally better at it than others. So somebody like Lewis Hamilton will naturally be better at that and have that thicker skin that less demons going on in underneath and that's where the true greats do don't they you know they yeah. have that that's why people quite often call them arrogant or you know they're, they're a different breed or they're more ruthless and but he will still have and... those thoughts he's just the way he's, he learns to control them absolutely absolutely so moving on to motorsport then yes so we covered the uh, the sprint race last week because yeah. we wanted to do that um you know and, and just because a new format all excited what did people think all that kind of thing um i had a lot of people message me which was lovely um real divide for sure um a lot of people loved it some people said it should be less laps rather than 17 it should be 10 make it even more explosive there's others that feel oh it's pointless you know shouldn't what's the point of it why don't they just do qualifying and normal i remember one person saying to me i've been watching it since 1957 and it's always been this format and blah 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 now, of course a lot of people don't like change and and i understand that totally but personally i thought it was great because ultimately we have to face facts with formula one um the viewing numbers in certainly in the uk have been on the decline big time um so of course, they've got to think of ways to change it. Now, in an ideal world, and this is where next year might help, let's have cars with, you know, that where they can follow much closer, but they have more power than grip, all that kind of stuff, and make it more like an Indy car, which I think is what they're trying to achieve. Then you can get rid of some of these things and, and, and have it like it was and see true explosive racing throughout. But I think over the time, with tyres and strategies and... You know, it's become very complicated and, and people want to watch ruthless racing, basically, don't they? <laughs> um, so I thought, I thought the sprint race was brilliant, um, but obviously we didn't cover the main race because we haven't watched it at that point. So, no. um, yeah, so the British Grand Prix that was in the actual race itself was a bit of a, uh, yeah, an well, eventful one, wasn't yes. it? <laughs> so it probably uh, it'll be one of those things that will go down in... People talk about for years and years and years, but yeah. the inevitable clash that's been coming for a while between yeah. Max and Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, there's so many opinions flying around as to who was in the wrong and who wasn't, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, but from the way I look at it, I mean, at first I thought, you know, Hamilton's fault. Yeah. 
Mm. But I think, to me, it was kind of 50-50. And Alex Palau, who's leading the IndyCar mm. Championship, he said that he would have done the same as either of them, whatever position he was in. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've got two balls in one camp fighting out a championship. If we look at the history of Formula One, it's always happened at some point. It was going fighting. to boil over at some point. But in fairness, initially I was like, well, and I've had a big accident at Cox and I couldn't walk properly for eight months. And what I did is, is what Lewis did. Um, but I, uh, rather than hit the other driver, I tried to avoid and ended up spinning and then got hit anyway three times. So in hindsight, I should have just done what Lewis did and kept my foot in there. But um, hey, things happen. But it's, it's, it's a tricky corner to overtake on because, it, well, in a Formula 1 car, it's flat uh, for a start. Um, what, uh, Lando Norris said it's not easy flat, but it's flat. Obviously for Lewis or, and Max, when you're dicing, it wouldn't have been flat. But I would say there was no intentional with Lewis, I'm going to take Max out or vice versa. Um, no, I don't think there was any malice in it. I think what's happened is Max has been very, very hard on Lewis. And you, if you look back, and I didn't realise this myself, to be fair, until somebody showed me various clips of this season and how many times Max has chopped his nose off and Lewis has had to, to basically avoid there being an incident. Now, at the same time, Lewis hasn't been fully down the side when it's happened. And in, in my opinion, as a racing driver fully alongside and then yeah it can be your corner you can battle it out but if you're not fully alongside it's a tricky one now there were pitches people further you know when they're down the straight and lewis is fully alongside but but as it gets closer to the corner max is then obviously breaking later and is getting further ahead i think it was a racing incident it was really unfortunate um i think basically Lewis had had enough. He's he's kind of in front of his home crowd. He was absolutely determined to get ahead, and he knew after Cox that Red Bull is brilliant through Maggot Beckett's, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely amazing. So he knew I got to get ahead of him before before Cox or after just after Cox, basically. So I think there was an element of I have to do this, but also I can't be bullied on the track. I'm in front of my own crowd. That I think a number of things to why he kept his foot in. And you can overtake at Cox. It's not fair for Christian Horner to say you can't. That's not true. Yeah, but the Red Bull camp is not a reliable source of... <laughs> as in the same as the Mercedes, isn't it? In, in that situation, they're not going to only go against their them. own side, are they? So Absolutely. they're not the people. They're not the right people to listen to for information. Really. I, I agree. I, I think... Which is why I mentioned Alex Palau, because he's, he's completely partial. And, they were, you know, uh, Ricardo, I think, had said it was Lewis's fault. I think, you know, I think it was a racing incident. Um, I'm really thankful that and, and happy that Max is okay. I've had a big accident there and it is horrible. Well, you know, such a fast corner and, you know, he hit the tie wall and it was 51 Gs. I mean, your internal organs, you know, going through all that, which is hence why he was in hospital for so long. Uh, which does lead us on a little bit, doesn't it? Because he put quite a funny, um, I can't remember if it was Twitter or Instagram or whatnot, but um, he was really upset at the end saying, I'm still in hospital, um, you know, being monitored at the moment because of obviously what could happen and something might rupture, blah, blah, blah. And Lewis has won the race, he's celebrating and he hasn't mentioned anything to do with it. And that seemed to really upset him, didn't it? Yeah, and I think with good reason, to be honest. Mm. You know, I think that was a, that was the wrong way for Hamilton to... Yeah. celebrate he should have been i understand it's the british grand prix but he should have been first thought 
Um, I hope Max was okay. I hope Max is okay. Because there was a, you know, somebody who was very badly hurt in the superbikes at the weekend, weren't they? And, and yeah. um, I can't think which rider it was that won the race. And he said, didn't matter who's won the race. Yeah. That, was, that was his first thing. He said, yeah. you know, he's like, Brad's all right. Yeah, exactly. And I think... I don't know, Max wasn't in the position that this yes. superbike rider's in. But, but I, I think Lewis should have initially said on interview, look, first of all, you know, um, you know, at Cox, I felt it was a racing incident. I felt I, I had the corner. Obviously, Max felt the same, um, and it ended how it ended. Um, I got penalised for it, and I got that time back, and I've, I fairly won the race. But I would like to say, you know, I hope that Max is okay. Um, nothing intentional with what I've done. And um, yeah, my thoughts obviously with him and the family and hospital, something like that, and then carry on celebrating, but just something. Because to be fair, we have seen it in the sport a lot, especially in more modern era, where especially side-on impacts, where the crumple zones can't absorb so much of the, the energy, you know, that you, you can get organs rupture, but not straight away. So there, there is a genuine reason he was held in hospital for so long and genuine reason why he then wasn't tyre testing and why Albon was in the car. So I do think that should be mentioned, but I, I'm sure you guys or some of you guys and girls will have different views on that. Um, but yeah, I deep down think it was a racing incident. Uh, I do agree with the points. So um, points, sorry, not points, um, the penalty, because if anybody who watched the sprint race with George Russell and Sainz, well, they had a coming together. Again, just racing incident. I don't think either were intentionally doing anything. I think basically science thought he had it and George was running wide and bang, they, they hit. Um, but George got a three-place grid penalty. So, you know, once you've done it for one, you have to keep that consistency. But what, what are your thoughts on the whole penalty thing? Because like, I'm getting a bit worried that we've had more penalties than ever. Well, I mean, they've got to they've got to let them race, haven't they? This is yeah. this is the point. Johnny Herbert talks about this a lot. Where you don't, you've got to let them. It's like play on in in football or rugby. You know, you think, okay, right. But I think that did need a penalty. I suppose I don't. Yeah. I don't really know. It was it was because I suppose it's hard to say. But having set the precedent with George, yeah, and 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 Carlos on the yeah. day, the day before, they had to give Lewis a penalty. Yeah. I mean, it but I'm out. just more worried about the penalties in general. So not necessarily that that incident because I do think that was incredibly dangerous. Somebody could have got hurt. I'm not saying Lewis intentionally did anything or vice versa, but it just you know ended up with a big accident. So uh, they have to review it and decide whose fault it is. Um, but I just mean in general, like we we seem to be getting more and more penalties than we've seen in any other season. Well, there's been a lot of tool with track limits, hasn't there, this year, which yeah. I think is a bit of a joke, really. Yeah. Um, for stuff like that, I mean, it's like they had in Austria the week before, wasn't it, where they were running each other wide and yeah. into the gravel and everything. Um, but they think once they've done it once, they always have to come and do it again. And it's, yeah. where do you draw the line? If you've yeah. shoved somebody off into the gravel, you should get a penalty, really. Yeah. What worries me though is this whole, you know, like in football where they fall over and oh, you know, and they they make out that they've been really badly taken out. You know, I just don't want it to end up like that where they they know something's going to happen, so they'll they'll make the situation worse, so the other guy gets a bigger penalty. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but it's something that's been playing on my mind. We've been seeing more and more penalties, and you know, I've watched Formula One since. Gosh, I was like 
what five six years old and okay from that age I can't remember <laughs> that much but as I've got older you know I never remember all these penalties all the time it just seems kind of like yes you've got to manage it and there has to be rules and there has to be safety but it seems like it's gone a bit like you say maybe it's a track limits bit maybe they need to just have some gravel and grass and you know other things there to prevent that you know perhaps we've gone too far with the tarmac well the problem is with the with the track limits mm. is it's not obvious to people who are not who, you, 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 oh he lost his lap then oh what for where if they've bounced through the gravel it's pretty obvious <laughs> yeah you know? exactly exactly but yeah, something, something, I mean, we'll see. I want to mention, though, about Lando Norris, because I didn't realise, but he has been, uh, he's broken a, a record for McLaren, hasn't Longest he? Longest run of points finishes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's something, I think it might be 14 races or 15 or races 15, yeah. um, in a row now where he's scored points in every race, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. I didn't realise at all that he achieve that so you know well done to to lando for that consistency not only is he fast but he finishes races yeah, and he's he does, in the yeah. points and yeah. you know he's still a young lad and i think you know a lot of teams will be watching that thinking man he's he's the real deal this boy yeah. you know and i think he really is oh without doubt Leclerc, we better mention Leclerc, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> As he almost won the race. Well, what I can't understand is that the first half of the race, yeah, he'd completely and utterly got the Mercedes covered. Lewis yeah. had no answer to him at all. Yeah. So Lewis then gets his ten second penalty and comes out in a car that's now two and a half seconds a lap quicker than the Ferrari. And I thought, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. And of course, by the Was time that he'd just caught, tires, I, think, oh, I don't know, but he would only be on the same tires. Well, of course, Lewis doesn't have to fight for second place because mm. he, he catches Valtteri mm. which tells you something else mm. catches Valtteri hand over first Valtteri moves over and he catches the Ferrari and passes him mm. but mm. it was you know the clerk was it three laps in the end yeah so he led the whole way until three laps in the end I, I felt for Leclerc I mean we're both massive fans of Leclerc aren't we you especially but I am too for his driving ability I've, we've probably mentioned this before but coming up through the junior ranks um the last person to be like him, I suppose was Lewis Hamilton um, where in every junior rank he was just sort of untouchable really. He was yeah um, and even now you know because he's in a car that's not the front you don't see it as much but some of the things he does he drives beautifully oh yeah and you don't always see it because he's not on pole yeah because the car's know? not quick enough but he is dragging that car up there as is Science. I know Science had a difficult weekend but pace wise Science the same they I think they probably have one of the strongest pairings on the grid yeah um, but the car's just not quick enough. It's like in a straight line. It's just dog slow. Yeah. Um, well, I'm hoping it's hungry so. this weekend that that'll suit the Ferrari. But yeah. We'll see. But we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Alonso certainly seems to be back, doesn't he? Yeah, That's, he's back um, on fire, isn't he? You now? know, so which obviously I'm pleased about because I love Alonso. He's my future husband. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he seems to be back on fire and he showed that in the sprint race and yeah, he's just general ability. But anyway, enough on the British Grand Prix. Um, but anybody who has any thoughts or you know, anything we've said, you know, love to, you know, had quite a few messages uh, last week, which was lovely. Please do send either on social media or you can email whatever suits you guys and girls. But please get in touch. Let us know your thoughts on it. It's always interesting getting other people's perspectives. It definitely changed my kind of, um, you know, thought process a bit because I hadn't really appreciated how much uh, Max had been chopping off the nose of, of, no. of Lewis and you go back and through the season the and, yeah. so and actually did, it happened, happened a lot. Yeah, so, yeah. so and that was through somebody saying, hey, look at this cat. So yeah, always love to hear 
what you guys and girls have to say so please do honestly get in touch so on to our interactive bit then yeah so what is it this week then? so i thought if you could pick so you got to so you, you're gonna have a passenger ride yeah so you've got to pick a, a driver a car and a circuit okay it can be any era so it doesn't have to be current okay. Okay, but it's also got to be enough that you, you can fit in it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just straight away then I thought, well, Damon Hill's 1996 Formula 1 Championship yeah. Cup, but of course it smells like, well, we like a wing walk, you have to be strapped to the top of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, well, for me, circuit-wise, I think, um, because I've, I don't really have the experience around it, Nürburgring. Um, because I think that would be amazing because I wouldn't know where I'm going no. and that would make it even more of a thrill like a roller coaster. Car wise, I think the original McLaren F1, yeah, don't you? That'd be, that'd be a good car, um, yeah. I think, and I think I would have to say, driver wise, I would have to say something a bit different. So, somebody like uh, Andre Lotra, oh, okay, um, because I I've always been a fan of, of his, we did a job together in Germany um, and you sit with people like that and you realise how good they are. So yeah, he, he's not in Formula 1, but boy, you know, he's impressive. He's been doing Formula E, um, but he, I remember he went to Goodwood for the first time. I can't remember exactly what he was driving now, whether it was a Cobra or something, I can't remember to be honest. But it was his first time there and he almost won it and you should have seen the car control he had. and. The, you know the ability to hop into an old car like that oh, when, yeah. when that's not his experience at all and the way he drove it just blew me away to be honest um so yeah that would be that would be my answer so if anybody's not sure who andre lotter is a, who he is um he's been a, a porsche factory driver for, porsche for, moment, he? for a long time and yeah he's now doing formula e uh, which was on this weekend by the way i'm going to be brutally honest it's got some of the best drivers in the world in it but I do struggle to watch it. Was it London, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and I really wanted to really like it and enjoy it. I just find, I think it's such a great concept. Get these, you know, um, drivers and cars to the cities. What a great concept. But um, personally, certainly on TV anyway, um, it just looks too tight and nadry like a you know, this big car going around a cart circuit kind of thing. Yeah, because they're um, heavy, they're heavier than a Formula 1 car. Yeah, so, so you know, but hey, it is, it is what it is. But um, for me, yeah, that's my, my answer. What about you? So I would think, so I think old Nürburgring. It's got to be the Nürburgring, yeah. really, just because yeah. it lasts longer. Um, and I'd want something... Just think, uh, you wouldn't know where you're going. No. So, well, you might, but I don't know no, very well, no. so... But I want something that's going to move about. Yeah. So something like... Um, I don't know, 250 GTO, really old front-engine Ferrari, yeah. and something like Jim Clark. Yeah. Because I think you could relax and enjoy it, even though it's moving about. Yeah. If I knew it wasn't going to die, yeah. then I would get on the back of Michael Dunlop and go around the TT circuit. <laughs> <laughs> but you never really know with Michael, do you? No, so, exactly, exactly. And then you're on a bike as well, which is yes. a bit more terrifying. That'd be pretty electric. Yeah. Oh, it would, it would, but um, he has, he's what, well, like a lot of people doing the TT, I think they are wired differently to a bike racer who does circuit racing. You get some that do come over and do the TT as well, but I think you have to have a different mentality. Well, there's one in particular um, who, who, I think he holds that record around the Alamein now, doesn't he? Um, oh, what's he? I can never remember his name. That he's, 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 he's a front runner of the super bikes. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't Somebody know. will say he's now, you know. Yeah, it's Kane's with it, it went again. But he does, he's really quick on the TT and he's really quick on short circuits, which is unusual. Yeah. Because Josh yeah. Brooks has gone over and he's obviously he's British Superbike champion. Yeah. Um, but he's not done, he's been all right, he's been there or thereabouts in the TT, but yeah. he's not been bang on the on the pace. Yeah. Oh, I think it's definitely different. And um, I remember Carl Fogarty, you know, doing both and he he certainly, you know. Yeah, he was quick on both. But opened his eyes the, the difference of doing the TT to, you know. But he, he said he got to a point with the TT where he thought, right, it's enough of that now. Exactly, because I think it's just that dangerous, you know. I'm sure people like Rossi say, God, no, I'd never do that, you know. Um, I no, think some. So he's been over and had a look, like, hasn't he? Mm, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, well, it's certainly, obviously, week just gone, it's been a bit quiet on the motorsport front. Um, we are coaching Sarah, one of our drivers, aren't we? Actually, tonight on the simulator, tomorrow on the sim. Fingers crossed, her engine will be ready. Um, Monday, we'll be doing a track day, um, getting ready for her race at Silverstone. And she doesn't know Silverstone Grand Prix circuit, so there's lots to do there, isn't there? Mm. So, um, but this coming weekend, there is loads of motorsports. So, for anybody who wants to have a weekend sat at home watching lots of motorsport, we've got British Touring Car at Alton Park, so 10 minutes from us down here. Obviously, Formula One, what is it, the Hungarian car? Hungarian Grand Prix, Grand Prix, I think Grand Prix it is. yeah. Uh, FIA F3, uh, which I always love anyway, because you know, these are the drivers of the future, so it's nice to see how they're getting on. W Series are somewhere else, but they're, they're out. But for me, another exciting one is the GT World Challenge, because it's the 24 hours spa. Um, which is always a special well, thing a good to race, watch. Yeah. So, yeah, um, if you guys with that, you'll have to go on YouTube and put it in, and you'll find the the channel basically for the GT World Challenge. But I'd certainly recommend if you're into motorsport, try that out because it's a special one, 24 hour spa. Obviously, we're going to probably predominantly follow the Formula One and, and touring car, but you know, um, yeah, there's plenty uh, to to look at and watch this weekend. Uh, we are actually doing some filming this week with some of the guests that we've mentioned, which is exciting. And then we're going to gradually put those out um, on the podcast, on the YouTube channel. Um, so we will, if you have sus subscribed, then you'll get uh, a notification on it. Uh, if not, just keep an eye out, obviously, and um, you'll see some very exciting guests and from all sorts of different areas. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully you guys and girls will enjoy that too. So, well, I think that's it. That's kind it? of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Peter yeah. Hickman, by the way, was the bike race. Oh, Peter, Peter Hickman. Hickman, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> sorry, there Peter. we go. <laughs> he probably doesn't listen, but sorry, Peter. <laughs> anyway, guys and girls, thanks so much for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube. Always appreciate your support. Please do get in touch. Um, we're going to do more and more little clips on social media accounts as well, so Instagram. Even going to go on TikTok. I feel a bit too old for TikTok, but I'm being pushed into that one. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. As long as I don't have to do any stupid dancing and changing my dress, like when I click my fingers or something, <laughs> then I'll be happy. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, we will see you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Veloce Podcast. Fast and fluid conversation with Kat Impey and Richard Bott. Don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and never miss an episode of the Veloce Podcast.